Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 27. We have a full house this week. We have Sarah, Mark, Gladys, and myself. We also have a guest, Sharon Shah. Uh, she's here to speak to us about applied data science and cybersecurity. Uh, but before we get to Sharon, let's take a quick look at the news. Uh, Mike, why don't you kick things off? Uh, first, uh, first piece of news is that the Open Group uh, has released the Zero Trust Core Principles white paper. It's a, a free, but it's a registration wall, so you have to sign up for an account if you're not already part of the Open Group. Um, I'm actually co-chair of um, the Zero Trust Architecture Working Group um, over there. And the cool thing is, is for those of you that are familiar with the uh, for the Jericho Forum, which was you know the first sort of formal challenge to the perimeter-centric uh, view of security back in the day, um, talking you know probably 15 years ago now, that Jericho Forum was actually hosted in the Security Forum and became uh, part of the Security Forum within the Open Group. And so I got to work with some of the original members of the Jericho Forum as we kind of you know figure out how do we modernize you know kind of these ideas and, and recognize what zero trust is you know in that kind of uh, open industry agnostic way. And so those core principles came out and you know, I think they're pretty good. You know worked on them, so I'm a little biased, but I want to make sure everyone is aware that those are out there. It's another great reference point, just like NIST or any others for sort of a you know vendor agnostic view of what zero trust is, because there's a lot of um, you know vendor. Uh, claims out there that you just buy my product and you get zero trust, which I know our customers are getting really tired of. Um, the other thing that caught my eye was um, there was a, a, publish, uh, a publishing that was done of the top five uh, VPN vulnerabilities that are being exploited by um, advanced actor groups. It was really interesting, um, triggered some thoughts, and then um, I'm actually going to put in uh, two links there. One is the actual um, report, and then the other is to um, kind of Microsoft's recommendations in this space because you know we've seen a lot of of these kind of exploitation of VPNs um, with, uh, a lot lately um, because people don't patch them. You know, Windows Update is easy; it's easy to patch, right? Um, or you know, Microsoft Update, it's just easy to use those well-established channels or your iPhone or whatever it may be. But um, once you get into you know, sort of appliances where you have to do downloads and other kind of stuff. It gets really um, kind of challenging and it t tends to get forgotten, probably because it's hard, but it does. And so it's really important to get those patched. Um, but there's more that you can do to secure a VPN, like, you know, make sure you're not keeping cred credentials on it. Just use Azure AD to do your authentication. Most vendors, um, almost all, of, you know, I think all the major ones, um, are do that and so you can authenticate with it. So there's ways to protect it above and beyond patching as well. So I wanted to point uh, folks to that guidance. Um, uh, Azure Network Security Book came out, um, which I'm really excited about. So that uh, will get you a, a link there uh, to take a look at that in case you're interested in uh, learning a lot more about that. Yeah, I think I actually contributed uh, a little excerpt to that uh, particular book. Um, the other thing I want to call folks' attention to is there's a security technical content library, um, essentially a technical catalog of all the security content and guidance uh, that Microsoft publishes. And so I wanted to put that link in there for folks to find it. Um, it's a great way to sort of find a lot of our security content and guidance in one place. Last one's a bit of a teaser. We are very close to being done with the cyber reference architecture. So the MCRA, as some people like to call it, highly complex diagram with all Microsoft cybersecurity uh, technology. So that will be coming soon. Uh, don't have a link, don't have a download point yet, but we are actively working on getting that up and running and ready to go. That's all I got. Cool. So then it's me and I'm going to talk about, unsurprisingly, a ton of Sentinel things. Um, but 
First of all, uh, we now have some Azure policy-based uh, data connectors for um, for Sentinel, which is really cool because Azure policy is useful. And of course, having that being coming into Sentinel is really, really helpful. So that's a good start. Um, and as you know, we're always adding new data connectors to Sentinel. The next one I want to talk about slightly different. Uh, the we now uh, we've now released a preview, a public preview, a number of um, additional logins for Azure AD. So um, in the Azure AD connector in Sentinel, we used to just have sign in logs and audit logs. There's now a number of additional log sources in there. Of particular note there is the non-interactive logons. Um, now um, that was arguably you could say a bit of a blind spot uh, because that wasn't able, that wasn't something we ingested. And in the context of a couple of things that have happened in, in uh, the cyber world, some attacks that have happened in the past few months, the non-interactive logons are pretty important. Um, so what we've done is you can now ingest them natively into the connector. Um, and also the Mystic team, who are the acronym Mystic, if you don't know it, is Microsoft Threat Intelligence Center. They've also updated 24 analytics rules that, uh, that are identity related. Um, that are now performing correlations of those new um, non-interactive logons. Uh, there's a really cool blog post that um, one of the guys in my team, Yaniv, wrote, um, and we'll link to it in the show notes. So go and check that out because it's something that you should definitely consider if you're already using Sentinel and ingesting Azure AD. You should definitely go and have a look at ingesting those logs. And then last thing, slightly different, uh, just to let, we did mention this um, a while ago on the show, but all the new security exams, the Microsoft security exams. So that's the um, SC200, SC300, SC400, and SC900 as well. They are now not in beta anymore. They have gone to generally available. So if you are looking at taking them, then of course you will now get your results straight away. Um, I took them in beta and I'm still waiting for my results. So fingers crossed I pass them. But yeah, if you want to go and do them, they're now um, they're now in generally available. They're out of beta. So go and have a look um, and keep your eyes out because there will be in the not too near future, not too distant future, hopefully a lot more learning resources to help you study for those as well. Obviously when they're new exams, takes a little while for that stuff to come out, but yeah, keep your eyes open because it's definitely coming. And yeah, that's my news this week. Sarah, I'm actually really excited about the SC200. I'm uh, currently looking at the Azure Defender and Sentinel uh, material. Uh, I think it's pretty good, so. Yeah, Gladys, um, I took I took SC200 and SC900 in beta, still waiting for my results. Gonna be quite embarrassing if I fail either of them. I'll I'll update everyone next time, maybe if I've got my results by then. Maybe you could give me some hints. <laughs> anyway, so I wanted I wanted to talk about this uh, website that I found that uh, had a lot of interesting information. Uh, this podcast is is a great source of information. However, however, there's so much that is happening in Azure that is impossible for us to cover all of it. Um, so I always wanted to see a, a, a website or, or a place with a list of all Azure services. And actually, 
I, I found one. Uh, it, previously, I had not found it, but it was due to these other uh, site called Azure charts. I had no idea that there were 250 services in Azure. I thought it was less. Anyway, so I, I always was asking myself, where can I find uh, that list of information, uh, user stories, information about the latest capability re release for each service, list of regions where I could find uh, the services, reference architecture, solutions idea, uh, security. Actually, there's a section in security and compliance and even um, parts of the services uh, that have been re uh, retired. Uh, at first, it was a little bit um, uh, difficult to look at uh, these Azure charts. I wasn't sure how to get the information, but there's uh, this video uh, called Azure Fundamentals. Uh, I, I think it's video 26 that focus. Uh, I think it's like 15, 20 minutes that it, it goes and provides a quick overview about the site. So I really recommend uh, watching this and then uh, keeping uh, this as a source of information. Um, uh, because uh, it's just uh, being updated all the time. The next thing that I wanted to talk about is uh, Azure Purview. As uh, everyone knows, I'm really fan of uh, labeling and uh, classifying data. Um, and I have spoken about Azure Purview. Uh, as I mentioned, it helps uh, manage and govern uh, on-prem, uh, multi-cloud and, and software as a service structure data, such as databases and storage resources. It does this by labeling uh, data within defined resource sets, using built-in and custom classifier, uh, and even uh, the Microsoft information sensitive label. So for example, Azure Data Lakes uh, storage uh, gen two, um, Azure blobs, uh, storage, Azure uh, files are some of the samples that uh, the resource uh, set it can be used for. So now Purview resource set pattern uh, rules is now available and what that this does, uh, it allows you to customize or override how uh, Azure Purview detects um, which assets are grouped in the resource set and how they're displayed within the catalog. Thanks, Lavis. Hey, there's a few things that took my interest this week. Um, the first one was uh, featured this in preview for Azure Automation, and that's support for managed identities. As I've mentioned, I think on just about every single podcast so far, uh, one thing you'll see more and more is more um, services move to use managed identities uh, because that way storing the credential is actually managed by Azure, and you don't have to worry about where that credential is stored or worrying about it um, being compromised. Uh, so this is always a good foundation for providing clients authentication uh, for one service to provide authentication to another. And on the other side, of course, we use TLS for the server authentication, but that's another discussion. The other thing that's kind of cool, um, and I'm a huge fan of this, is that Azure Virtual Machines DCS version 2, that series of VMs is now in public preview in Azure Government. Uh, so these are the VMs that are used for confidential computing. Uh, they're the ones that have the uh, Intel Xeon CPUs in there that can support the software guard extensions or SGX technology. Uh, so if you're building your own secure enclaves or you're running um, applications that can take advantage of secure enclaves, then these are the VMs that will, you will use. So this is uh, this is great to see. The last one 
is we've now just put a new ability in application gateway called uh, URL rewrite. The notion of URL rewriting has been around for quite some time. It's not really a security feature per se, but you can certainly use it to provide some kind of security functionality, such as writing specific headers, for example, based on URL. Um, you might want to redirect to a different URL based on some kind of logic. Uh, so the, yeah, again, the concept has been around for some time, but it's now available um, in Application Gateway. And with that, that's the end of our news this week. It's a relatively, uh, relatively quiet week. So now let's uh, turn our attention to our guest. Um, this, this week we have Sharon Shah. She is a principal program manager in the Azure Cloud Security team focusing on data science. First of all, Sharon, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. Would you mind spending a moment just to explain what you do at Microsoft and how long you've been with the company? Sure. Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. I joined Microsoft three and a half years ago. So I, le I lead the program manager team with five PMs right now. Uh, we build threat detections using machine learning algorithms in uh, security products like uh, Azure Active Directory Identity Protection, Azure Defender, and Azure Sentinel. We also uh, own a security data platform that supports trillions of data that are processed by uh, various detections, including the machine learning based threat detections. I want to start with a basic question. Like what is artificial intelligence and machine learning and what's the difference between them? I'm that's, you know, really kind of curious, like how we think about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let me talk about those uh, three terminologies, data science, artificial intelligence, AI and machine learning, uh, ML. So data science is an interdisciplinary field that use scientific methods, processes, mathematical, mathematics, algorithms, and systems to extract knowledge and insights from many structural or unstructured data. So data science is uh, related to data mining, including machine learning and uh, big data. So this is a very wide, big field. Artificial intelligence in our definition is that machines or computers mimic cognitive functions that associate with the human mind, such as learning and the problem solving, obviously needs to use uh, some algorithms. And the, one of those including machine learning algorithm. So machine learning is the study of compute science computer algorithms that improve automatically through experience. So it's a subset of the artificial intelligence. Gotcha. So, mm -hmm. like, because I went through statistics classes, you know, when I was, you know, working to get my college degree. So is, is it's it's like sort of machine learning is kind of like the progression of that into like really sophisticated algorithms, right? And that's sort of like the foundation. And then AI right. is kind of turning it into, hey, we're trying to mimic what humans do to reason, right? And cool. then data, data science, including doing, you know, all the data analysis processing. Yeah. Okay, nice. Now, um, so how do we apply this to security? Like what, what does this bring us? How does this, how does bring, this bring value to security? That's a great question. 
you know, digital transformation and the tech intensity now across all the organizations have led to exponentially like a data growth, right? And the regulations are consistently involving the attack surfaces is growing faster because you know organizations are moving to cloud. Now you have you know the cl hybrid clouds, multi clouds, and then you have on-prem. You know this attack vectors and the surfaces is just growing you know tremendously, and all the attacks are more sophisticated and the stealthier. So you know the traditional like a rule-based approach no longer meets the demand of the skill and the constant changing of landscape. And people are looking for new solutions dealing with this complexity. And what is good at uh, of machine learning is it is good at dealing with big data and handling with multi-dimensional and multi-variety of data. And it's also good at continuous improvement as the machine learning algorithm gain experience in the learning. You probably heard a lot of like a talk about deep learning, neural network, all these terminologies in the machine learning. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of <laughs> smile and nod like, okay, someday I'll understand that terminology. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just like, it's a mimicking, mimicking, you know, human mind, human brain, right? Be able to learn through experience and, uh, from algorithm point of view, it's learn through data. So, so it can keep learning and keep adapting to the environment change. Mm. That's why, you know, machine learning is, you know, you know it's, it's the technology that can help us to, you know, keep up with this data volume grow, uh, this complexity of that tax. Yeah, so it's so it's sort of like the like I think of it like everybody loves to tell people in the security uh, business. Everybody likes to tell people read your logs, which is like impossible when there's a million lines a minute, right? Mm -hmm. So this is basically helping kind of do that without having to burn out like a biological mind. Right. I obviously, Sharon, I come at this from a Sentinel perspective. You know, I, I when I work with Sentinel, of course, we know that Sentinel has ML in it, but um, I know that there's far more to ML, um, AI ML capabilities than just Sentinel. So can you tell us a bit about where ML and AI is used in different Microsoft security products? Sure, yeah. So you asked the right person. I actually own the ML feature in Sentinel. Sarah, you probably know. <laughs> um, I do, I do know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so in addition, uh, you know, we uh, build machine-based threat detections, behavior analytics in Sentinel. We also, virtually every security product in Microsoft uh, use machine learning, like uh, Azure Defender, right? We also build uh, behavior analytics uh, for Azure Defender for storage. Uh, Gladys uh, touched about Azure, you have Blob storage, you have SQL, you have files, so you have ADLs, data lakes, you know, that's so much data in there. Uh, we do use machine learning to analyze the uh, access pattern and the behavior to detect uh, threats to the storage, as well as like the critical security key, uh, service, like a key vault. We use machine learning to detect um, threats to the key vault. So uh, Azure Defender is an example. 
uh, I mentioned Azure Active Directory identity protection. We process billions of logins every day on our machine learning platform to detect unusual uh, suspicious login and a potential compromised account. And in Exchange Outlook, we use machine learning to identify phishing attacks. Uh, so literally every security product leveraging machine learning at Microsoft. That is a lot of machine learning there. And <laughs> I'm going I'm to have to ask you because tell us a bit because it's my baby. Tell, can you tell us a little bit because it's something that definitely a lot of my customers are interested in. Um, a little bit specifically about the Sentinel ML because I know that's that's your your thing too. So just for anyone who's who might have heard about it but doesn't know much about it, like what's your elevator pitch for for the ML um, in particular in Sentinel? Uh, yeah, I know you know all the sim vendors talk about the use ML and uh, you know and the people you know it comes is it a real is it hype? And I can tell you at least in Sentinel it's real. We do have you know, basic behavior analytics, like uh, in our UEBA model in Sentinel, we use machine learning. And we have building machine learning threat detections like anomalous SSH logging or RDP logging. And we have a fusion we call advanced multi-stage detection that leverage, we actually have four different machine learning algorithms in that fusion to correlate the, you know, like the, uh, we call yellow signals and find those multi-stage attacks. You know, sometimes a suspicious login from a Tor browser, it's not, maybe it's a benign, but then it's followed by, uh, you know, data exfiltration, followed by C2 communication, and, uh, you know, all these steps, then it's seriously, it's an attack. So uh, fusion detection detects those kind of attacks and uh, many like uh, ransomware patterns. Our, we work with Mystic, you know, our threat intelligence uh, threat hunters. They identify those patterns and we feed to the machine learning uh, algorithm. And like I said previously, it learns and can detect those emerging threats. And that's the like the out of box machine learning we have built. And we also have the platform. So bring your own machine learning to Sentinel. So you can ingest your data into Sentinel and build your model outside of the Sentinel or run them outside of Sentinel and bring the signal back. So we heard customer, they have this uh, platform scalability issue. Um, so, you know, the BYOML platform solves that issue for those kind of customer. They have the data scientists in their organization. That's a very high level of what we have <laughs> in Sentinel. <laughs> I know, I know we could yeah. go on a, a lot about that, but just yeah. in the interest of time, I guess we'll leave it yeah. there for that one. <laughs> Thanks, Sharon. Actually, Sharon, I'm not familiar with what is yellow alerts or signals uh, I think uh, you mentioned. Uh, is that alerts that you need to uh, correlate more data to uh, ensure whether it's true positive or false positive or what exactly it is? Yeah, so, so you know, if you, if you have and dealt or talk to the security analysts or dealt with those uh, security products. And they generate lots of signals uh, or alerts. And all the alerts are in a different, they put apply different severity level 
under alerts like high severity or medium low or in some lots of them are informational and the state the security analysts deal with like thousands thousands alerts every day it's they never keep up so most of our customers told us like they never look at any alerts severity level like lower than medium or even they don't have time to look at the median severity alerts so those are basically like learn under the radar of those security you know stock operations nobody's seen it so we call those like yellow signals lots of attacks are very like stealthy like i said uh, you know you give um, you can find many examples including you know the latest solar winds so it's a, it's like a hiding under your radar and going on you if you you know, you think about all the security news and the compromises, then people say, oh, attacker already has been in that, that environment for nine months before the organization and the discover the attack or the compromise, right? So that kind of, you know, it's not like there's no signal triggered. It's just all these signals are not sure and, you know, low confidence that were not surfaced to the eyes of the security analysts. So machine learning, our fusion algorithm, actually correlating all these signals and find the, you know, the, the kind of multi-stage attack. Awesome. Uh, hopefully uh, for those uh, medium signals for the customer now, um, uh, they can see them uh, because we bring such uh, integration and uh, unification that in automation that uh, hopefully they can uh, speed up uh, the meantime to acknowledge and remediate. So you just mentioned a, a good case, a common case uh, to use uh, AIML. Are there other common uh, use cases uh, where one may use it? Yeah, so um, the common use cases, because AI, you know, it's good to find the patterns uh, like uh, in the huge amount of data, right? So it, it's very good at do behavior analytics and you can find a spark of like excessive download from VPN or excessive upload. You know, those kind of spikes usually indicate some problem or, you know, access to IP address or host never seen before. So those are good like the AI and the machine learning is good at it then you correlating with this abnormal behavior with the threat intel you have information you have then you can elevate the signal a little bit make sure you know oh now this abnormal access maybe outbound connection combined with our threat intelligence information or oh, this IP is a C2 or, it, or this URL is what a whole URL, malicious. Then you combine these and you know we will find the trace of these attacks. So that's kind of the good use cases for machine learning. Another one is we really think machine learning is good at finding the emerging threats in the unknowns. You know, for, for rules, you know, oh, I match the minicats.exe, that's an uh, attack, right? Or, you know, you have a blacklist, but that's limited to no. 
but with the machine learning and the behavior analytics, it observed the trend, it finds the abnormal behavior, it it finds, you know, it can detect like emerging threats or unknown threats. So looking at all this AI and ML stuff as it relates to security, I can't imagine this is this is particularly easy. Um, so what are some of the challenges that you come across applying artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, in the realm of security? Mm, yeah, good question. We've been doing this for years. Like I joined the team three and a half years. And before I joined the team, the team, uh, you know, have done this for, I think, more than three years already. We have lots of experience applying this, and we also encountered, you know, lots of you know, obstacles and problems. And we also talk to customers, uh, like Sentinel customers, uh, you know, what's their issue? And they realize the machine learning is the way to go, but, uh, you know, have trouble. So basically, the number one trouble is the data quality and the lack of uniform schema. Like data is everywhere and in different format and in different like uh, meanings, even maybe the format is same, like a self format, but every field uh, is different meaning because it's, you know, whatever the interpretation a vendor, firewall vendor or a software vendor putting there, right? And for the machine learning algorithm, you basically it's a garbage in, garbage out. So you have to do lots of data transformation, cleaning, blah, blah. So that's one challenge. The second challenge is a lack of labels in security. If you give machine learning uh, algorithms some labels, they tell them, oh, this result is good, this is bad, then you will, you know, the, the, the model will learn and improve by itself. But literally, you know, because all the security information are confidential, you know, or, you know, there are lots of like uh, data privacy or information. So literally the machine learning model used in cybersecurity, um, you know, we don't get enough labels to improve the model. So that's the second um, challenge. The third challenge, uh, which I heard from lots of customers, it's not us, is one lack of data uh, science resource in their organization. And, uh, you know, you, if you want to use machine learning in security, you really need both security skill and a data science skill. And it's rare already to get like security experts. And it's also rare to get, get you know, machine learning uh, experts. And it's even harder to get like people have both, right? So that's um, a huge challenge. Another challenge, um, you know, with data scientists in their organization, they have problem with dealing with the large data, the scalability. So sometimes they do well in prototyping, but they have trouble to bring it to production because the data volume and they are not able to support like this kind of scale. Um, so Azure, it's an awesome platform. You know, it's elastic, you know, and the Sentinel is running on Azure. So it inherits this scalability, availability capability. So that's the perfect like a platform for building machine learning on top of it. Yeah, I, could, I can certainly speak to the hiring security people aspect. Um, mm. It's pretty hard to get a you know, good security person. I can only, only imagine what it's like hiring someone who's a 
security person and a data science person. Mm -hmm. That leads me to another topic. So one thing that I've been doing over the last few months is taking all the 900 level exams um, at Microsoft, and one of them is AI 900. And the reason why I'm doing it is just to essentially make sure that even though I'm a security guy, is just to make sure that I'm actually focusing on you know, the, the platform in general and getting a, a better understanding of various aspects of the Azure platform beyond security. And one of them is AI 900, which is an introduction to or fundamentals of, of artificial intelligence. One thing that's talked about a lot in there, uh, looking at the study materials, is this notion of responsible AI. Uh, mm -hmm. Could you just give us a like a quick overview of what responsible AI is? Yeah. Um, so, like a machine learning uh, model, a machine learning algorithm and a model are like a mimicking the human brain, right? Thinking, and so what are you, you have to be really careful, like there are many examples, um, you know, uh, the ML algorithm and, and it got abused, produced the results that was not the intent of the author of the model or algorithm, right? Um, there is an example, um, I think earlier, Microsoft has a chatbot called a Tay on the Twitter, you guys probably know it's a chatbot and it's chatting with the, on the Twitter with, you know, with conversation and it got attacked. People feed it all these languages, offensive language, and then it learned from those and, you know, spit out those offensive, you know, language. Um, so Microsoft shut it down. If you Google like a, a T-A-Y tweet, you will find a lot of discussion and the news on it. And so this brings like, when we build out machine learning algorithm, when we build out those advanced features, for example, maybe do a HR, like a resume screen, we need to think about, do we actually unintentionally have bias? The ML model, like a robot and a learn, you know, potential learn some, behavior that causes a bias, or is it possible it's unintentionally have the leak of the privacy information? You know, there are lots of study and articles on that about uh, responsible AI. Microsoft is very serious about this. So how, how are we securing from the introduction of bad data then? Yeah, uh, this is a good question. Um, so, so there are two things. One is like I talked about unintentional, right? And uh, there's another aspect of is the, you know, malicious attack to the machine learning model and to the data used by machine learning model. And our team has a trustworthy ML project and that we worked with MITRE. You, you guys probably know MITRE has the attack framework for enterprise, for, you know, IOT, for IC, it's leveraged like widely used by uh, in the security industry to have the security tactics, the kill chain, right? The security tactics, techniques. Our team worked with MITRE and we published a MITRE attack framework for adversary ML to identify, call out those cyber attacks specific to machine learning algorithms. For example, data poisoning, 
uh, Gladys, you asked uh, the, the bad data, right? So attack can uh, intentionally poison the data that used by training the machine learning model. If the model is trained on a bad data, and it will produce bad results. So this is the one. So securing the data source is extremely important, you know, in the ML system. Doesn't matter. It's for you know the ML system is for uh, for using in security or using in speech recognition or using in facial recognition or even it's you know you think about if it's used in healthcare. It's it's about human life. So this is really important. And there are other uh, common attacks to ML models like uh, invasion attack. Basically, there is a very famous example, like uh, people, the researchers put a few, three like a very small sticker on the road and it fooled the Tesla's ML model to drive to the you know, opposite lane. So that's, and, and that's scary, right? And there's research um, like they, they can pull out called a machine learning inversion test. It's about privacy, right? The facial recognition program, you know, uh, you know, use a lot of data sampling to train the model to recognize fusion, uh, the face, like Windows Hello, uh, right? So we log in with our face. So there is there is a specific attack. They can reverse the train the model and the discover like your face. So 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 this called a model inversion attack that that can kind of the, like invert the PII data from your binary machine learning model. So this definitely is a privacy concern. So there are lots of attacks um, in this area. You know, if you are interested, look at you know the material we provide in uh, uh, within this podcast. You have lots of to read in this area. Okay, so lots to think about there, Sharon, and mm -hmm. oh, I've learned a lot today. <laughs> but if if someone who's listening wanted to know more about security-related AI and ML, are there any sources um, or materials that you'd recommend they went to look at? There are a lot of paper online you can search, you know, just being it, Google it, and you apply machine learning data science in uh, security. You can find a lot of online. And then there are, and uh, in this area, actually, it is relatively new. And, uh, you know, we're definitely going to include some links in this po uh, podcast and for you to get started. Uh, it's relatively new, and there are lots of research. And a lots of green area we can, you know, explore in this area. That's like a basically what I have been doing and our team is doing half research, half, you know, building the features in the product. And sometimes some attempt may fail, but that's fine. <laughs> so before we let you go, uh, one thing that we ask uh, all of our guests is, do you have any final thoughts you'd leave, like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, you know, like I said, it's hard to find security experts in the market and also hard to find the data scientists. It's even harder to find the both. But I would say that, you know, my background is from security. So 
I just like jumped into this applying data science to security and started the learning, taking courses, you know, on Coursera and LinkedIn, YouTube, and just keep learning that way. So I would say if you are passionate about applying, you know, data science in cybersecurity, don't worry about that. You don't have much knowledge, you know, or maybe you are a security expert. I don't know data science. That's okay. All your data scientists, I'm really interested in using my data science skill in security. That's fine. As long as you are willing to learn. <laughs> so threats ch is changing and the new machine learning technology is emerging. And the only way to be successful is continuous learning. So, you know, my final thought is jump into it. You are, if you are really passionate about it. I see great future and there are, like I said, lots of green area for us to explore. Thanks for that. And thanks so much for joining us this week, Sharon. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. We know you're extremely busy. Um, I learned a great deal this week. It's another example of I learned stuff I didn't know I didn't know. Uh, and to all our listeners out there, we hope you found it useful too. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, please find us on Twitter at Azure SecPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license. <laughs>